Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the second in our series of podcasts on sustainability with Birmingham City Council. My name is Michael Bennett. I'm principal associate in the construction team here at Shoesmiths. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome Mark Gamble, the East Birmingham Development Manager for the Council. Good morning, Michael. Great to meet you. Great to meet you too. Give us an overview of what's going on in East Birmingham at the moment and how the development is progressing. So I've been involved in the East Birmingham agenda for about four years now. It's the East Birmingham Inclusive Growth Agenda. So I'll start by explaining what that means. Inclusive growth as a principle is about sharing the benefits of growth more fairly than has been done in the past. Um, So Birmingham's been incredibly successful in attracting investment and getting things built. We can walk for 10 minutes from where we're sat at the moment and be on three or four major development sites. And you can see the city centre has completely transformed over the last few years. And over the next few, that's going to continue, if anything, at even greater pace with things like Smithfield, the Ray Valley, all the work around Paradise, the Commonwealth Games, Perry Bar. Um, What we've learned through that process, though, is that it isn't enough to create jobs, to create new office space, uh, to deliver homes because the overall patterns of deprivation across the city haven't necessarily changed in the right direction. So East Birmingham is an example of an area where the people who live there have continued to be deprived. People have continued to struggle with various aspects of poverty, despite all of this growth and development. So the intention with the East Birmingham Inclusive Growth Strategy was to tackle that head on. On one hand, we have a population that has struggled with persistent deprivation for many years, um, and that is a complex issue. We're talking about educational outcomes, we're talking about household income, we're talking about fuel poverty, we're talking about mental and physical health. But on the other hand, East Birmingham has unique opportunities. So the coming of High Speed 2 to Birmingham will be a transformational event. It will be a catalyst for immense change. And the two new high-speed two stations will bookend East Birmingham uh, at Curzon in the city centre and out at uh, the interchange in Solihull. There is an aspiration to link those two stations up uh, with a new Midland Metro route. And around each of those nodes will be massive levels of development on the scale of tens of thousands of jobs and homes. So the issue is, going back to our inclusive growth principle, how does that benefit the people living in between those two stations? Because if it doesn't, then we've failed. The way we've gone about this uh, is, first of all, to look at how we work. So to think about the governance, the partnerships, rather than this being the city council top down, this is our strategy, this is how we're going to work. The first thing we did was to convene the stakeholders and that's public sector entities like West Midlands Combined Authority, Greater Birmingham and Solihull Enterprise Partnership and the NHS particularly, but it's also much wider than that. So we've been working with businesses, with the community, representatives of social enterprise, the Children's Trust and we we took soundings, we had lots of different parallel streams of conversations, and we ended up with a draft inclusive growth strategy for uh, for East Birmingham. We published that for consultation with very unfortunate timing right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Um, we had an intention to do that engagement in a slightly different way to what we might have done in the past, to be out there in the community, 
you know, with local organisations, not necessarily trying to set the agenda or just hand out leaflets, but be there talking to people about their issues. Um, and if they wanted to talk about the strategy, then that was great as well. We had to do most of that over Teams and Zoom, uh, which was a bizarre experience, uh, but actually worked quite well in some respects. We talked to well over 100 different organisations of, of all different kinds. Um, and through those organisations, we got a window into lots of different parts of the community. So just to put that in context, it's an area with a population of 250,000 people. So it's bigger than your average UK city on its own. So consulting the community in East Birmingham is, is, a, is a vast task. And actually, the way we're addressing that is that it is an ongoing work stream. It's not a, you know, once and done, we've consulted on this. It's a, we're building an engagement framework and we will use that indefinitely. We adopted the strategy uh, just over a year ago. And then from that, we moved to the implementation stage. So we've established the East Birmingham board. That's chaired for us by Liam Byrne, whose constituency covers about 80% of the area. Um, it's a who's who of council, political leadership and management as well. But it has a lot of those other stakeholders that I mentioned. And that's there to give us that kind of political executive level oversight. It's there to allow us to talk about collaborations between different organisations. But it also amplifies our ability to lobby the government for things like the Metro. For those big ticket items like the East Birmingham to Solihull Metro, the East Birmingham board is there to champion it. The next step was to establish the East Birmingham programme. So to do that, I took a business case through the council's cabinet, actually a succession of business cases, and we've secured an, a total investment of £3.8 million to set up a team to start work against the delivery of the strategy. And what that will look like is assembling business cases, funding bids, building partnerships, carrying out that engagement that I talked about earlier. £3.8 million on one hand is a lot of money. On the other hand, in the scale of the issue we're dealing with, it's very small. Um, the top level objective for the programme is to bring the population of East Birmingham up to at least the national average across all domains of deprivation, which is a vast ambition. Um, that's a transformational change. That isn't, that isn't addressing deprivation. To, it, it is, to an extent, resolving it which is something I don't think we've, you know, we've dreamt of doing before. And to do that, we will need huge investment, but we will also need to be taking a holistic approach. So previous city council growth strategies have looked at how do we get the key changes delivered? Um, this, this has that same thinking, but a much wider scope. So as well as looking at the metro, at the Wheels site, at the local centres in East Birmingham. It's also looking at the systems change questions. How do we make the NHS work better? How do we make social care deliver better outcomes? How do we create uh, employment and skills pathways? And how do we connect them with the communities that need to benefit from them? So the East Birmingham approach has an enormous scope. We, we can't do scope creep because our scope is already everything. And to do that, we have to be working in lots of different areas, lots of different parallel streams of activity. And one of the crucial tasks will be coordinating all of that and linking things together, seeking the synergies, doing more with the same money. It's a huge and very uh, important task that's uh, obviously being undertaken in East Birmingham. As you say, it's been a, a deprived area for quite a long time uh, and something has and does need to be done about it. 
uh, and clearly something is being done about it. Uh, you, you mentioned, of course, both now and as we were discussing before we, we started recording, that the collaborative aspect of this and that it's, uh, it isn't something that can just be done by the council. What involvement have you had from the private sector, from developers, and if people aren't involved, how do they get involved with this? There are various layers of interaction between ourselves and the private sector. So on one hand, I'm here today talking to you. I've spoken to some of your colleagues before about social mobility in the workforce, which is a great conversation and one that I'm looking forward to continuing. Um, but we've also been working with uh, the businesses within East Birmingham. So East Birmingham's economy is dominated by small businesses, something like 80% plus. And a lot of those businesses are concentrated on the local centres. So when we were doing the consultation, we went out and in some cases we, we you know, walked into shops and spoke to the owners. We talked to uh, trading associations. We talked to some aspects like the local chamber of commerce, for example, the Federation for Small Business. We spoke to Jaguar Land Rover. And what we were trying to do was to understand and you can understand that at the time we were doing this during COVID, it's a period of immense uncertainty, difficulty, particularly for that kind of uh, that kind of business. We tried to understand what their immediate needs were, but also how we could work with them. So one of the uh, one of the key areas of opportunity, I think, in that respect, is working to proactively address the predicament of local centres, and the business communities is central to that. So what we'd like to do is to be enabling local businesses to work together in a joined up way, to be addressing some of their local constraints and issues. And some of that's to do with things like environmental quality um, in order to improve their, their outcomes. But through that, we have an opportunity also to be, um, to be addressing a wider package of objectives. So what I mean by that is, for example, public health. We want to be talking to businesses about the vaccination program not just for covid but for flu etc as well and on one hand there's good solid business reasons to do that it's about productivity in the workforce but from our perspective as well then there's a much wider basket of benefits that if we that if we can deliver increased vaccine uptake um, you can take the same approach though of having those conversations and working from them into things like the local food economy, healthy food economy, um, local growing local supply chain. So we'd like to be working with businesses, particularly the smaller businesses that may not have the wherewithal to, you know, to be too kind of tr too strategic necessarily, um, to be moving in the right direction. And I mean that in a socioeconomic sense, but also from a sustainability perspective as well. So uh, I suspect we'll come to later the immense opportunities related to low carbon supply chain and that's another area where our engagement with businesses can uh, can play a big part now obviously you you mentioned a little earlier that uh deprivation is is more than just simply raising people's income it's about all aspects of their life through health uh, and also you know, access to public spaces and green spaces as well uh, and as well as opportunities so how has the access to green spaces and, and other environmental aspects been factored into uh, the East Birmingham plans? I know there's quite a lot on it, but would you like to just take us through uh, the aspects of the strategy that cover that? As well as the East Birmingham strategy, our approach has been informed by a wider policy discussion within the City Council. 
there was a project part funded by the National Trust called Future Parks Accelerator. And what that's done is to look at the city's green assets, to examine the way that we've dealt with them in the past and to think about how we can handle them better in the future. Um, that had various different um, elements within it, one of which was to do with the link between green space and employment and skills, which was focused in East Birmingham. Building on that um, and through the Our Future City plan work, we now have an initiative called City of Nature. So City of Nature is one of the key threads of our Future City plan, and it is designed to address environmental injustice. So we have plans of the city showing that for each ward, what's the access to local space, um, what, what, is, what are people's experiences of, of that open space. And it gives us a blueprint, really, for where we need to focus our efforts. And several of those most deprived wards are in East Birmingham. So there's a cabinet report recently gone through agreeing the inception of that piece of work, um, one element of which is a City of Nature pilot. The pilot will focus on Bordesley and Highgate Ward in East Birmingham, and it will be delivering improvements to the open spaces. So against that backdrop of existing activity and policy, there are a number of projects that are either mobilising or that are underway within the East Birmingham programme. So at Ward End, we are um, continuing some work that's been started previously to deliver a, a green infrastructure and leisure master plan for the park. We're sitting within that a new youth hub. Uh, so at the Dolphin Centre, there is an organisation called Norton Hall. They deliver a range of um, services to the local community, particularly to women and children. They're occupying a city council building. And we're working with them to significantly improve that building, to put a social enterprise cafe in it. But through the principles of the East Birmingham programme, we've also been able to link in Job Centre Plus. So there'll be a youth employability coach based at the building. And that coach will be um, provided with links with jobs in some of the anchor institutions in the area. So you have that complete end-to-end -end local community local organisation, the city council's role, central government and the key employers in the area all focused on that one point and that one particular part of the community that has particular needs. I've mentioned the Coal Valley and its importance. There are some uh, activities on the ground at the moment. We're doing design work for Glebe Farm, for example, but quite an exciting collaborative project is coming forward at Tysley in the vicinity of the Ackers and Tysley Energy Park. Um, this is something that the council has supported. The lead um, partner is University of Birmingham, but also the Active Wellbeing Society, the Environment Agency. There are, there are many partners working together on this. And we've secured uh, a million pounds of European funding to deliver improvements to the Coal Valley. And that includes uh, improvements to the river itself, which will help with uh, flood attenuation, for example. There's ecological benefits. There's improvements to active travel, walking and cycling routes and lighting. But a really nice element of that project is that um, there's a strong community involvement work stream within it called a community learning platform. So there is a model there for us to draw on so that we're not just improving green spaces, we're activating the local community to work with them to improve their green space. Uh, and that's something that we definitely want to be embedding into our work elsewhere in the area.
Another key element to this is to do with the idea of the 15-minute neighbourhood. Uh, it's something that is discussed in our future city plan. Uh, it, the terminology itself is perhaps, uh, you know, is still open to debate. I think there are various attempts to frame this thinking in different ways. But fundamentally what it's about is people having access to everything they need within a relatively short walk or active travel journey from their home. And that applies across the spectrum. So it, it's it's retail, it's healthcare, it's employment opportunities, but it's also very much about green space. So I think I suspect I'll return to the 15 minute neighborhood idea later on, but we, we see green infrastructure, green space, parks as being a crucial part of that picture. And in East Birmingham, we're framing that in terms of the idea of a healthy living zone. Do you have everything close enough to your house that you can have a, a healthy, successful, prosperous life and green space is essential to that. And how have you found the community engagement with that? Have you had any pushback? Have you generally found that people are very interested and willing to work with you on it? And how, how has it gone? I think parks particularly is one of the it's one of the easier domains of engagement, actually. There's a great organization called Birmingham Open Spaces Forum. Um, and they're really an umbrella body. And they represent the dozens and dozens of organizations like the Friends of um, a particular park, Friends of Warden Park, for example. Uh, we've been a regular part of their meetings for some months now, where we're doing specific projects like at Ward End and like at Glebe, um, like at Tisley. We are connected with local people and um, people get really excited about, about these things. And in some cases, it's been the other way around. So at Adderley Park and at the Ideal Park in the Ideal Village, the local community have started to self-organise because they want to get on with improving their local park. They want to do things. Um, so we've been doing our best to ensure that we're there to support them, to help them access funding, to help them get organised, and that uh, we're a useful partner to them. There are also, I think, opportunities for us to use some of the council's assets in parks to enable the local community to do more. Um, there has been a call for some years for the lodge in Small Heath Park to be made available to the local community. We're working through the various legal processes needed to do that because it's held under trust. Um, but I do hope that it won't be too long before we can be uh, resolving those and, and uh, enabling the community to use that asset. Um, I've talked about Ward End Park, as well as the Dolphin Centre, there's a building called Ward End Park House, grade two listed building that belongs to the council, currently not used. And I would love to see that brought back into use and at least an element of it being dedicated to the local community, their aspirations, their needs. When we were discussing the green spaces areas, you brought up uh, Tysley Energy Park. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a great deal of research that goes on there in relation to sustainable energy and uh, generation storage and all of that sort of thing is that being used that experience and its presence but being used to uh assist with the development of east birmingham and how is that being uh, incorporated into it tiresley energy park is incredibly important from the inception of the east birmingham strategy it was clear that we needed to be working very actively to build on the existing success at tiresley energy park it's already of national significance We've had a, a parade of politicians through the doors recently, uh, it's, which is 
great to see. It really is. Uh, and what's fantastic about Tysley is the the partnership is well established. The, the University of Birmingham are very active there. GBS LEP have invested in it on various occasions, and they're very much bought in. Um, and there are, there is a fantastic local business community there, um, the Tysley Co-Creation Group. And we have uh, one representative of the local business, David Horsfall from Webster and Horsfall, on the East Birmingham board. And he's there championing that part of the local economy. The Tysley Enterprise Park is already somewhere where there are some excellent um, steps towards low and zero carbon energy and the wider clean energy sector. There is a refueling hub there, which is where we refuel our hydrogen buses, which I think I suspect Sylvia will have talked about at great length. There are also various other components there's a biomass generator another great asset at tisley is the uh, is the birmingham energy innovation center this has recently opened its doors um, funded by the lep and operated by university of birmingham and that's there to drive innovation in the energy space uh, and it, it's already attracting a lot of attention getting some really good work done and there is a head of steam uh, developing at tisley we want to be building from that foundation. So we are working with the Tysley stakeholders at the moment to develop a clean energy master plan for growth for Tysley. Um, what that will do is to look at various different aspects of the challenge, so planning, transport, physical development, but also how we can proactively nurture the de development of this as a sector of the local economy and create an investable roadmap for the area. The next stages following the current work that's being done um, are, are taking shape at the moment. But what's on the roadmap is the idea for a national centre for decarbonised heat at Tysley. That would be, alongside the Energy Innovation Centre, that would be another great asset for research and development, but also about exploring the practicalities of how we get on with things like retrofit, how we address some of the technological challenges, but also the, the wraparound to that, the socioeconomic implications of decarbonisation and low and zero carbon technologies. There's also a huge opportunity there, I think, for business incubation, for innovation. And the fact that we have so many businesses operating there, interested in operating there, is, is a, a great opportunity. So we want to be working to develop that um, to help to increase the already excellent profile of Tysley, uh, but enabling some of the potential through things like the acceleration of our plans for transport, through looking at the property picture, ensuring that the planning context is clear and that the council is there at the table and we're doing everything we can to facilitate the further growth, the expansion of, uh, of Tysley Energy Park. In many ways, to me, ties the energy park and the area around it is almost a metaphor for uh, the, the process that's being gone through. Uh, you, you have within that small area uh, where we were, you have the history of Tysley as the engineering works, and you still have, of course, the vintage railways and heritage railways working there. You have where we are with the hydrogen pilot and the buses that are being developed there, and then you have where we are going with um, the work that's being done with the University of Birmingham on future energy. And energy storage and the and the amazing things that they're doing uh it's almost a perfect example of 
I would say what what's uh, being proposed by the council and what uh, is really the intention going forward. So at Tisley, as you say, there is the the Heritage Railway Centre is a fantastic place and it's also we've been engaged with the stakeholders with the community there uh, another element to our work is about the the cultural backdrop of east birmingham and we really want to be using resources like that to create a whole range of opportunities and activities that embodies the industrial revolution it's the coal the steam trains the heavy industry we see tisley as being at the forefront of the the green industrial revolution and I think that's what we're working towards is that we're continuing that that momentum. You know, Birmingham's history is about industry. And we've now got this global challenge of repositioning ourselves and we can still do industry, but we have to do it in a totally different way. Uh, and Tisley is, uh, is at the forefront of that conversation. Okay. I'm sorry to say that's all we have time for today. Uh, please join me for the conclusion of our conversation uh, in part two. And thank you very much for listening.